Well, falling in love makes you do all kinds of strange things, doesn't it? I was reading this week a, a series of studies that uh, suggested that when people fall in love, there are chemical reactions that take place in their brain that change the way that they think and act. So some of the side effects of falling in love would be impaired judgment, inability to concentrate, reduced sensations of pain, a lack of awareness regarding high-risk situations. Has anybody here ever experienced the side effects of falling in love? Don't be bashful. I know there are some, right? Thank you. Okay, there's one. Great. All right, another right there. Me too. I have. I will admit this. Before I got married, when I first started dating my wife, I had some of the side effects of falling in love. I remember there was a thing distinctly I used to do. I'd be driving to, uh, at that point, she was my girlfriend's house. Later, now she's my wife. She's over there. Driving to her house, and I remember, uh, I realized this. I think I had done this a lot, but I realized at one time, Apparently, I was unbuckling my seatbelt like a quarter of a mile before I even got to her house. Didn't know I was doing it. I had an old uh, beat-up van, which is one of the reasons I knew she was a keeper. She wasn't impressed by my vehicle. And so it never told me when my, when my seatbelt was unbuckled. And so I would unbuckle my seatbelt. One day I realized I wasn't even close, and I had already unbuckled my seatbelt because I was so excited to get out of the car and see her. And falling in love makes you do some strange things. But what about real love? Like deep, sincere love. I'm talking like married for 60 years kind of love. I'm talking mother and newborn child, first time they, she lays eyes on this kind of love. I'm talking deep, real love. How does this make people act? What is the fruit of real, deep, sincere love? Ever hear those stories of the woman who her infant is trapped under a car and so she lifts it up so the child can be rescued? Or the stories of the person who dives in front of the bullet for their spouse or the loved one that's about to get shot and they, they do something heroic and amazing? This is the fruit of real deep love. These are stories of courage and strength inspired by this kind of love. When someone deeply loves another person, they aren't focused on themselves. They're willing to courageously sacrifice their reputation, their safety, whatever, in order to protect the person that they truly and deeply love. And this evening, we're going to be looking at a story with this kind of love. We're going to look at the story of Joseph. We're focusing on Joseph for this Christmas Eve. There's an amazing story of love here. But before we jump in, what we're going to do is we're going to take some time just to read our story from the Bible. This comes from uh, Matthew's Gospel, and so we're going to read through this passage, then we'll unpack this amazing example of love together. And so if you came and you brought a Bible, you're welcome to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. There are Bibles in front of you. If you want to grab one of those, feel free to take one of those, Matthew chapter 1. Also, we've got a, a pretty nifty mobile app that you're welcome to go to the Android market or Apple Store. Download that. We have sermon notes that are built in. You also have a built-in Bible free of charge, so you can do whatever you want, or you can read along on the screen, whatever you prefer. So, let's read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, 
For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until he had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Well, let's pray real quickly, and then we'll go ahead and dive into our message. Father, we just thank you so much for this evening. We know that so many people who are here this evening, they have so many plans. They're maybe going to go from here to a family party, or maybe they're preparing to get everything ready for the morning, wrapping presents, whatever they're doing, Father. I just pray that we would take the next 15 minutes or so, Father, just to really settle down and focus our hearts and minds on your word. Because, Father, we recognize that despite all the busyness, despite all the noise in our life, there is an amazing message that we can hear this evening. Father, that when the fullness of time you sent forth your Son, born of a virgin, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law. And so, Father, we just praise you and thank you for the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And, Father, I pray that today you would soften our hearts and prepare us to hear this message of amazing love. We praise you. In the precious name of your Son, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. All right. Well, in our story, we're going to see three significant things take place this evening. And so if you grabbed a little bulletin kind of handout when you came in, you can fill these out if you want to follow along. There are three things, three significant things, and the first significant thing that we see in our story is a scandalous pregnancy. A scandalous pregnancy. Now, in our culture, it's really hard to be shocked anymore. Am I right? We have the internet. I mean, everything is out there, so it's hard to be shocked by things, but uh, I want to give you an example. Has anybody ever seen the Maury Povich show when they have those shocking reveals? Now, I work during the day, so I don't watch Maury Povich, but I will confess, I have seen some of the clips of the shocking reveals. You know what I'm talking about? This is where Maury will, will talk, there's a paternity test, and Maury will say, uh, Bill, the results are in, and you are not the father. And then everybody goes, oh, oh snap, and then Bill does like the robot, because he's excited, because he doesn't, sorry for dancing, I won't do that again. <laughs> Bad choice. I, someone just left, because I was dancing. We... We hear about stuff like that all the time in our culture. Hard to be shocked. But let me tell you that Maury Povich has nothing on what we're going to see here and what we just read in the Bible. All right, there's some really serious baby mama drama happening in Matthew chapter 1. Our story begins with these two characters, Mary and Joseph. Now, they have fallen in love. In fact, I think there's a much deeper love at play here, and we're going to see that near the end. They love each other. In fact, they are betrothed to be married. Now, we hear the word betrothed. That's kind of an old word, betrothed. And for us, we would equate that to engagement. But to understand betrothal, we really need to put ourselves in the shoes of people during this period of time. Betrothal was a much different thing than just normal contemporary culture's view of engagement. You see, back then, most marriages were arranged marriages. You would have these two families who would make an agreement that, that this couple would be the one that they want to bring together to start a new family. And so what they would do is they would bring this couple together and they would have a ceremony. 
This was a betrothal ceremony where they would come together and legally they would make a covenant together. They were betrothed to one another. But after that ceremony, they would go back and live in their own separate houses. So usually the son would go with his parents and the daughter would go with her parents and they would live that way for a whole year. Not living together, certainly not sleeping together, and that was the year of betrothal. So even though they were legally considered to be married, this year of betrothal was not a full marriage. Now, basically, this was a time of testing. They would go through this ceremony, a year would go by, and the whole purpose would be to see if the two could be faithful to one another. And so during this year of testing, this betrothal year, the couple uh, would stay separate, and eventually they would come together, there would be another ceremony, people would celebrate, they would then eventually live together and sleep together, and then they would be married as we know it. But if a person could not remain faithful during this year-long betrothal, the families would normally pursue for them to be separated, which would mean that they would have to get divorced. Now, this was a big scandal back in that day. And to add more to this, if the woman was unfaithful, often she was cast out, she was despised, and in some cases, the woman was even killed. She was stoned to death. So betrothal is a really big deal in this culture. The problem is Mary ends up pregnant during this year of betrothal. And, and, and here's the reality. Joseph, the results are in. You are not the father, okay? Oh, oh, snap. Come on, give me. Oh, right. No, no robot, though. He, didn't, he was not happy about this. Joseph isn't the father because we read in our text the Holy Spirit is the one who, who impregnates Mary. And so, so Joseph is in a real pickle here. He's in a real pickle because what's this guy supposed to do? He loves this woman. He's betrothed to this woman. But apparently it looks like she's been unfaithful. Any zealous Jew, what they would do is they would pursue a divorce. They would say, you know what, she's been unfaithful to me. This is the year of betrothal and testing. She failed the test. I'm going to get a divorce, and that's it. But see, Joseph loves Mary. In fact, he loves her so much, he doesn't want her to be put to shame. In fact, he doesn't especially want to see possibly her be put to death. And so we read in our passage that Joseph resolved to divorce her quietly. Even though we have a scandalous pregnancy, Joseph is a really good guy. He doesn't want her to get in trouble. And so that's the first thing we see. Number one, a scandalous pregnancy. But number two, we see a surprise announcement. A surprise announcement. I'm not great with surprises. Um... If you throw me a surprise party, I often feel awkward because I don't know how to respond the best way. I feel like people are staring at me. I don't really know what to do with my hands in those situations. I feel awkward, and so I'm not a big fan of like a, a surprise where people are looking at me. But see, Joseph, this is kind of a, a quiet surprise because not everybody look, is looking at him because he's dreaming. He's sleeping. And there's a surprise announcement that takes place during this dream, and it's absolutely crazy. An angel appears to him, and he says this, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, what would you think if you were Joseph? Imagine that. You've just found out the person you're betrothed to is now pregnant, you go to sleep in the middle of your dream, you find out 
that she has become pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit and she is now carrying the Messiah. What would you think? I would be wondering what I ate to make me dream something so crazy. But see, Joseph, he hears this and even though it's unbelievable, he knows it's true. I mean, Joseph knows this is a message from the Lord. Not only is the angel proclaiming that Mary is still a virgin, he's saying that she's been chosen by God to bear the Messiah, God's promised one, the one that people have been waiting for. And they are to call his name Jesus. Now the name Jesus in Hebrew, which is Yeshua, it means the Lord saves. This is why it ends by saying, for he will save his people from their sins. That's why he's given this name, Jesus. He is no ordinary child. He's the savior of the world. In fact, Matthew even adds, he's to be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So believe it or not, Mary is carrying God, God incarnate inside her womb. This is absolutely unbelievable, the most unbelievable news ever, and all this is placed before Joseph. All this is placed right before him, and he's now faced with the biggest decision of his life. See, on the one hand, Joseph can continue with his plan. He can pursue this divorce. He can move on with his life, he can settle down with another girl from Nazareth. They can start a family and live happily ever after. And he, he's avoiding everything difficult. That would be the easy road. That would be the road that would avoid all the drama, all the dirty looks and rumors, all the people who are whispering and saying things about that relationship and how she was pregnant during the betrothal period. He can avoid all that. But he doesn't. Joseph doesn't. What does he do? Well, we've seen in our first section, scandalous pregnancy. Number two, a surprise announcement. But number three, we're going to see a submissive response. A submissive response. See, as soon as Joseph woke up, we read that he did as the angel commanded him, and he took his wife. Now, we could simply interpret this to mean that Joseph continued with that betrothal year. He was in the middle of a betrothal year. At some point in the middle of that betrothal, she became pregnant, noticeably pregnant. And we could interpret this passage to say that he took his wife just to mean that he continued the betrothal. But actually, if you read verse 25, it looks like he broke with tradition. And he decided it was time to seal the deal right away. Instead of letting that whole year of testing go by, and then finally they come back and celebrate, and they're now living together as husband and wife, he ended it right then, and he said, you know what, you're going to come and live with me. It just says after that, though, in verse 25, they didn't know each other. They didn't sleep together until after the child was born. That's what it says. And so Joseph made a very bold decision here before this was even complete. In fact, if you read the NIV translation, we have the ESV out here, it says that he took Mary home as his wife. Remember, she's very pregnant. People know that they haven't been living together. Can you imagine what everyone must have been saying when they see this Joseph, this righteous man, this devout Jew, take this woman who is noticeably pregnant, even though they have not been living together, as his wife home? Can you imagine what they must have said? See, despite all the nasty rumors, the gossip, the dirty looks, 
Joseph courageously and sacrificially chooses to obey the voice of the angel and take this woman home as his wife. He's making a bold statement to everyone. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. I don't care what the rumors are. I choose Mary. I choose Mary. I can't imagine what that would have done to his reputation. Nazareth was not a big town. It's a little town. Word travels quickly. And so my question this evening is this. Why would Joseph choose to make this decision? Why would he willingly make such a difficult decision and go along with this angelic declaration that was given to him? Well, I think the answer is love. And the answer is love. See, Joseph loved Mary deeply. But even more than that, Joseph loved God deeply. And even though God was calling him to a difficult assignment, he was willing to take this on because he had deep, genuine love. And something courageous and self-sacrificial like this is the fruit of deep, genuine, true love. I'm not talking butterflies in your stomach kind of love here. I'm talking about real love. He truly loved Mary, and he truly loved God. Joseph is an amazing example for us of what true love really looks like. Being willing to make that difficult decision because you love someone so much. He doesn't care what people think or say. He has chosen love. Now the reality is, for many of us here, maybe we haven't experienced this kind of love. Maybe for some of us here, the father or the mother or the spouse who's supposed to love us in this kind of way didn't. Maybe the people in our life who were supposed to love us courageously, who were supposed to love us sacrificially, they weren't like Joseph. Instead of choosing us, maybe they just chose what was easy, or they just chose what was selfish, or they just chose what was convenient. And maybe all this is complicated even more by the holiday season as you think through this and replay these memories in your mind. Maybe you came in here this evening feeling broken and defeated and unloved. Maybe you came in here this evening feeling like nobody cares about you the way that we've just heard Joseph caring about Mary and caring about God. But let me tell you this evening, we have an incredible message for you. An incredible Christmas message. There is someone who loves you deeply. There is someone who loves you courageously. There is someone who loves you sacrificially. See, God loves you so much that he sent his son, born of a virgin in Bethlehem. And his son's name is Jesus. And he came to save his people from their sins. Jesus didn't choose the easy road. Jesus didn't choose the selfish road. Jesus didn't choose the convenient road. He chose Love. You see, because here's how the story goes. After Jesus, this Jesus was born, as we read in our story, 33 years later, 
Jesus walked a long road carrying his cross. And when he reached the place of the skull, the place called Golgotha, they took him there and nailed him to that cross and raised him up and mocked him and spit at him. This is after he's scourged, beaten so severely. In fact, uh, the, the scriptures say he was beaten so bad that his appearance was beyond the appearance of even a, a person. You couldn't even tell he was human. That's how bad he was beaten. This Jesus did all this willingly, sacrificially, lovingly, courageously in order to pay the penalty for our sin. Now this might sound like a tragic love story, right? But in fact, this is a heroic love story because if you know the rest of the story, after Jesus was crucified and died on that cross, they took his body down and they placed it in a tomb. And after three days... Jesus Christ was in that grave. He rose from the dead in victory, conquering sin, defeating death, and now he is reigning at the right hand of his Father in glory. Jesus is alive. And this is the good news of the Bible. This is the amazing message we have for you. That because God loves you, because he sent his Son... That if you repent of your sin, now repentance means it's a change in thinking, it's a change in behavior, turning from sin. If maybe you're the type of person who says, I'm pretty good, I think I'm good enough to get to heaven because I haven't done that much wrong, change your thinking. There's nothing good enough you can do to reach a perfect God. In fact, every little tiny sin. It's breaking God's commandment. And sin separates us from God. So maybe you think, I'm a pretty good person. Well, you're not good enough. I'm sorry. Maybe you go, all right, well, I give uh, to a lot of charities or I I go to church fairly regularly. Whatever those, those things you're thinking, repent. Change your thinking. Turn from sin. Change that thinking. That's the first thing we're called to do. And secondly, we're called to place our faith in Jesus Christ. What that means is I'm not relying on myself to try to earn my way before God. I know that I can't do it. I can't be good enough. But Jesus was good enough for me. I know that when I look at God's law and I see all those things, they go, man, that's a pretty hefty law. I don't know if I can keep that. I don't have to keep that. Jesus kept that for me. See, Jesus perfectly kept the law. Jesus was perfectly obedient. And then Jesus was the perfect substitute sacrifice for your sin. Don't rely on yourself. Trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. When we do that, we receive forgiveness, we receive righteousness and everlasting life. This is such, such good news. So let me say one more time before you leave this evening, know this, you are loved. You are loved deeply, you are loved courageously, and you are loved sacrificially. So the question remains, what are you going to do about it? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you again for this evening. And just this opportunity to celebrate and rejoice 
Father, and all that you have accomplished through your son, Jesus Christ, we hear this story of Joseph, this story of amazing love. And Father, for so many people here, maybe who have not experienced this kind of love, this is something maybe we long for or desire. And Father, what a tremendous blessing to hear that you love us with that kind of love. In fact, far greater. And so Father, I pray that we would realize this evening This Christmas Eve, how much you love us, Father. And that as a result of your love, Father, I pray that we would respond in such a way that that we reject anything else and turn to your Son in faith and rely on him alone, Father. I pray that you would do that. I praise you for this group here this evening. I praise you that we can glorify your name and celebrate the birth of your Son. And so, Father, we give this time to you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, if you came in here this evening, we've got a little tradition that we've done since a lot longer than I've been around here.